You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to our second segment here on Real Presence Live. Here on October 20th, Wednesday, a nice fall day outside here in the Fargo studios between the railroad track and the cathedral. That's where we are. I'd like to thank Maureen Ferguson for being on last segment from the Catholic Association. Uh, penned a great article, Relic of the Past, Why Women Don't Need Roe versus Wade to Flourish Now. If you're interested, you can Google it and look at USA Today. You can find out more information at thecatholicassociation.org. Thecatholicassociation.org. Hey, did you know Real Presence Radio has an app? That's right. You can listen live, submit a prayer, and more. Look for the Real Presence Radio app in your app store. And guess what? I have that app. I already do. So if someone like me can get it, you can get it too. Well, we have many, many great pro-life warriors. And, um, you know, just many people come to mind we've had on the show. Uh, We're going, of course, through the midst of a 40 Days for Life campaign right now. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how things are going. Um, if you've been down there, uh, every day, every day we're down there uh, from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Of course, Wednesday, this is the day that they do perform the abortions usually. And most of the time, and generally speaking, 20 to 25 babies are aborted. A uh, whole, whole classroom. I just like to think of it as it's a classroom of unborn children aborted each week, basically, uh, right here in Fargo. And so thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your peaceful, prayerful witness. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had what's called the Walk with Christ for Life, um, Pro-Life Sunday, the first Sunday of the month of October. And Bishop Folda, we had Mass at the cathedral at noon, and he did just a wonderful job. Then we process with with the Eucharist. The bishop takes the monstrance with Jesus in it. There were several hundred people there with us, and we peacefully marched to uh, the abortion clinic, we had a prayer service there, and then we, um, and then we just quietly uh, walked back. And it's very, very prayerful, very, very peaceful. Um, it, it was, it was wonderful. It was a great, great opportunity uh, for us to, to pray. And, and there were there were people there at the abortion clinic who uh, were opposed to our views. Several of them, and you know, I, I just said to the bishop afterwards. You know, they were kind of very vocal and with loud music and and gestures and things. And when we got back, I was just thinking, and I talked to the bishop afterwards. I said, you know, anyone in that situation, all of us, we're looking for Jesus. We're looking for Jesus, and that's the key. And I said, Bishop, you brought them Jesus. So as we were standing there, and the bishop was praying, and, and the deacon was holding the monstrance. I, I think a lot of people, like myself, we're just in deep prayer for these people. These are not our enemies, okay? They are our brothers and sisters in Christ who have a different point of view, who uh, have have, a, have difficulty with what we believe, um, but we still love them. So everyone in the abortion industry, whether it's the doctors, whether it's the escorts, you know, whether it's the, the mother that's in need, whatever it is, we support them and and we care about them. And so it's very, very important that we understand that, and that we, uh, and, and, and that we're working to help. So that's why Forty Days for Life is so important, and that we can really make sure that that we're able to, um, you know, able to help them, because they, they they really need 
They really need help. And they really need Jesus. And so that's why this peaceful, prayerful witness, yes, will will work. That's wonderful. Um, our next guest, our next guest is Connie Brandt. She is the St. John's pro-life person at uh, St. John's Catholic Church in in Wapaton. And, uh, well, we have a little bit of technical difficulty. Let's do this. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back on with Connie Brandt. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever known someone who has taken their own life? 50% of Americans have. I'm Father Chris Alar. For years, professionals have called the tragedy of suicide an epidemic, but we believe it has become a pandemic because more people in the world take their own life than die by all the wars or homicides combined. Do you know that there are more veterans who have killed themselves than were killed in the Vietnam War? And these numbers keep increasing, especially among the youth. And society doesn't help. Through misguided ways, such as shows like 13 Reasons Why, suicide has become glorified in our society. But there is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, everyone. Thanks for hanging with us. Sorry about the technical difficulties we had there. Uh, every once in a while, our, our technology kind of fails us. That's Holy Spirit's in control. And we now do have Connie Brandt on the phone. Welcome, Connie. Thank you, Tim. Absolutely. As I mentioned before, she's the chairperson of the St. John's Pro-Life Team at St. John's Catholic Church down in Wapaton. But her legacy, her pro-life passion goes way, way, way back. Connie, tell us a little bit about your family, then we'll get into your story. Okay. Well, I was born and raised on a farm. I'm the oldest of 11 children. Uh, my, my home parish growing up was St. Peter and Paul's at Manador. I married Al 60 years ago. Best decision he ever made. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) 
We have three children, uh, two daughters and a son. And we have eight grandchildren and one great-grandson. And we lived in uh, in Fargo a little bit when we were first married. Al's a barber, and he bought a business out in Hankinson, and we lived in Hankinson for 30 years. That's where we were raised our family, and we both worked out there. I was a nurse at St. Gerard's, and uh, St. Peter and or, or uh, St. Philip's was our was our parish in in Hankinson, and we were there for 30 years. And that's where my pro life uh, story started. Go ahead and get started, Connie. You go okay. for it. Okay, it was in 1978, and our pastor was Father Paul Kaler. And they were going around uh, in in the diocese, I, I guess, I really don't know for sure, starting up right-to-life chapters. And Father said to me, they're having a meeting over at St. Francis Convent this afternoon in the Homac room, and I would like you to come. So you never say no to Father. <laughs> so, uh, so I went over there, and there were several men and women and a, a good number of the sisters there, and they were telling about what what we needed to do in, uh, since Roe v. Wade, and I hadn't heard about Roe v. Wade. Anyway, um, before I left that afternoon, we had formed a chapter, wrote a uh, constitution and bylaws for the North to be a part of the North Dakota Right to Life, and I and elected officers, and I was the new president, and that's how it started. That, that that's quite an afternoon, Connie. You walk into a meeting and you come out with a new chapter, and you're president. It's like, did you, did you kind of think like, what just happened there? Well, exactly, <laughs> because I, you know, I didn't know what what the North Dakota Right to Life was all about, but I have learned so much and met so many wonderful people throughout, you know, the area throughout the state, and um, then we even went over to Ledgewood and we helped form a chapter over there, and we went to Waymere and helped form a chapter there. So, I don't know, it's just uh, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit moment, exactly, just going to say, exactly. Sure. Yeah, and I've had a, a number of them also. Another one that I really want to touch on, and that is in 1993, I went to World Youth Day in Denver as a chaperone. We had a good number of, of, of teens that wanted to go, and the year before that, there were some teens that had attended a, a youth convention for the diocese, and they came back, and they had heard about Teens for Life, and they said to Sister Edredine, who was in charge of the CCD program over there, uh, we want to start a Teens for Life. So she came to me, and she told me this, and I said, I don't want to do that. Hmm. I had just, <clears throat> just the year before, finished getting my degree, and I was had um, started a new job. I was driving back and forth to... Breckenridge St. Francis Hospital, and um, I said, Sister, I just don't want to do that now, and so that was that. I turned her down, but that was in the fall of 92. Then the spring of 93, she came back again, and she said, would you consider being a um, chaperone for teens going uh, the World Youth Day to Denver? And looking, and I said, well, yeah, I want to see the Holy Father. And so I was, wasn't was thinking about these teens. I was really do, thinking of very selfishly of myself. <laughs> I, I want to see the Holy Father, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, But anyway, so I um, and a number of other adults, and we grouped up with St. Uh, John's over here, and we all drove on this bus down to, uh, to Denver, Colorado, for 
a good number of days, and it was quite an experience. It was, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was a fun trip. It was a pilgrimage or, you know, there, there's mm-hmm. hardships involved. Yep. But anyway, what the, the thing I came back with from that is we were all in Miles, the last day we were in Miles High Stadium, and the Holy Father came through in his little Pope mobile, and, and we had the Mass, and he spoke to us. And the message I received there was to go home, and I still get kind of choked up about it, <laughs> um, go home and work with youth. And so, wow, what, what does that all, what does all mean? And here's some of those same teens were on this trip that had wanted to start this Teens for Life back the following year. And so I said to them, we drove all night coming back home, and I said, are you, are you still interested in doing this Teens for Life? Yes, yes. And I said, okay, well, I don't know much about it, but I'll find out, and uh, you talk to your friends, and we'll, we'll set a meeting. So we set a meeting for a Sunday before school started. It was about the middle of August now, and uh, I said, not just your Catholic friends, but get kids that are of different faiths, you know, there's different churches in Hankson. Great idea. And so we put a little notice in the Hankson News, that's the local paper that came out every week, and we met on this Sunday, and there was 12 kids showed up. They were all girls, but they were from a couple different churches. And that afternoon, before we parted, we had formed a chapter, wrote a constitution and bylaws, and elected officers, and that was the beginning of the Teens for Life. And I advised that group for six years. It was it was wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful girls. We could never get the boys to come in. We would always have lots of food, kind of enticed in that way, and they a few showed up, but they but they never joined. But I I advised that group for six years. In the meantime, then I moved over to Wapton, so I was going back and forth. And uh, spoke with a few mothers if they would to take that over because these kids still wanted to to, to do this, wanted, wanted to be a, active, and so it is still active today. And it's now they have boys and girls, teens. Uh, Julie um, Falk is their advisor, and um, they're they're a very active group, you know. And and the purpose of teens, teens for life is to. Educate yourself and your peers about the sanctity of life. We're talking with Connie Brandt here, who is now the the chairperson of the St. John's Pro-Life team in St. John's Church in Wapen. As you can tell, though, she has a long legacy of of pro-life movement and pro-life. And she's just told you of two great Holy Spirit moments. Uh, One in 1978, if I remember right, uh, forming the Right to Life meeting there. And one in uh, 1993 when she formed the Teens for Life chapter. And, you know, this great kind of thank, by the way, thank you for saying yes, you know, to that first call, of course, to the call of St. John Paul II, which, as we can tell, still has a deep, um, deep, deep meaning to you, obviously. Now, I'm thinking that, you know, I I worked with youth for many, many years in, in in the coaching ranks. And one of the things I found out about youth, and I'm thinking you probably did too, you know, they have, they have great ideas, they have great inspiration, they have great energy. Maybe talk a little bit about, as you were uh, advising the teens for life, some of the things you did and maybe some of the, the things that they came up with, some of the activities and some of the outreach that they did. Okay, well, one thing, we uh, they, they wanted to design a T-shirt 
you know, mm-hmm. that, that Hankinson, and the, uh, chap, the chapter's name was Hankinson Teens for Life. And um, they wanted to design a T-shirt so that they could wear it, you know, they could wear it in school or, or to our meetings or when we went to convention. We went, to, every year we went to, went to a convention. My husband and I, we all packed all these kids in our car, and if we didn't have enough room, I'd ask some members of the Right to Life, and the sisters were so good about hauling these kids. You know, we would go to Fargo, we would go way out to uh, Dickinson, we'd go to Bismarck, you know, for these conferences. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they wanted to design a T-shirt, so they, uh, okay, everybody came in with their suggestions, and we wrote them all on the chalkboard, you know. Okay. And I said, and some of them were really uh, lots of words, and, and uh, but anyway, I pointed out to them, okay, so whatever you put on your T-shirt, remember you have to defend it. Mm. Somebody mm-hmm. may ask you, well, what, what is that? You know, what's, right. what's that word about? What, what is abortion? Or what is euthanasia? Or they wanted to put a picture of the, of the unborn. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to defend that. Well, boy, that put a whole different light on it, you know. So then they, you know, really simplified it, you know, and wanted, uh, they chose something that they, they could, you know, give, give witness to in what they had on their t-shirts. So that was one thing we went through. And over the six years that I advised them, I think we designed two different t-shirts. Another thing is we adapted a grandparent program. There's a nursing home in, in, uh, in Hankinson. And so, and I also worked there. So I knew some of the things that, you know, maybe the activities that we could promote activities with the youth there at the nursing home. So each one adopted a grandparent. But the, the elderly were asked if they wanted to be a part of that program, you know. Mm-hmm, sure. And uh, so the commitment was that you would visit them at least once a month, and you could do that on your own time, but you had to call ahead of time, you know, and set that up. That was their responsibility. Also, we helped with, you know, bingo games at the nursing home or d- different functions that they were help- having there that they needed help. You know, so we so we did that. One of the girls, uh, Emily, she always had lots of ideas. And, uh, let's do an Easter egg hunt. And so what they did is a um, they went around the businesses to to get some donations so we could buy candy in these plastic eggs. Mm, you know, mm-hmm, sure. And then also we had enough money given by some of the business places that. That we bought some bicycles, and they, those were door prizes. Wow. You know, for this sure. Egg hunt. And, and we did it in the park. It was just wonderful. Just wonderful. And that Easter egg hunt is still going on today out there. Wow. That, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there were several of, several of those teens did serve on the state board. Wow. For a state Teens for Life. Yeah. And, they, and, and we went to conferences. Uh, we even went to Washington, D.C. one year. You mm. know, the kids rode the bus all you know, day and night, and I I flew. I met them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's oh. it's it's just amazing to me, Connie. We're talking again with Connie Brandt about her her pro life history and and pro life passion, as as you can tell. And the thing, a couple of things, I really love about your story, Connie. And I know there's a little more coming too, but is that you're just your openness to say yes to God, to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And and as you've told in your stories, the Holy Spirit moved pretty fast a few of those times. It's like, whoa, what yeah. just happened there? But just the idea of saying yes, like like Our Lady did, saying yes 
to God, saying yes to the promptings of the Spirit. And look what it look what it it spawned, right? I mean, all these these young youth who are pro life, who, who took charge, who were were serving others, right? Whether it's in the in the nursing home or whatever it was they're doing, being this great witness and pro life in all its ways. So thanks thanks for saying yes. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Well, I do want to say one. Sure, I, I please do, have, do. I hope there's another time for another Holy Spirit moment. But Go for it. There back, is. But first, going back to these teens, mm-hmm. I, all of them, they're, they're married, but I'm invited to their weddings. Wow. I hear about, about when they have babies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, beautiful, beautiful young women. I had another Holy Spirit moment here back in um, in 208. I, I received the one call now, the, the notice notification when abortions are being done in Fargo, mm-hmm. okay? And it was a December Wednesday, it was snowing a little bit, and here I got that call, you know, to come down to the abortion facility and pray. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, um, I'd like to go, but it's snowing, and I didn't want to go alone. My husband was still working, so I called a friend, and I, in fact, I called two different gals, and one, neither one of them could go. And so I, I thought, you know, I could go myself. It would take, you know, close to an hour to drive into Fargo, spend an hour praying, another hour to come back. That's three hours. Well, why, why don't you just go down to the church and sit there for three hours? So I did. Mm-hmm. So I, I went down to St. John's Church, and I sat in front of the, the tabernacle, and, and I prayed, you know, or... Mm-hmm. Maybe even took a nap. I don't know. Well, it's all right. You're with Jesus. Uh, it's okay. You can rest exactly. in him. You can rest in him. <laughs> but the year before, someone had given me a brochure on a cynical for life, and maybe I had received it from Rochelle. I, I don't know. But I had just stuck it in a folder, and I thought, oh, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't, I don't want to start anything new again. Careful what you don't want to do, Connie. <laughs> I know. I know. And so while I sat there, I thought, you know, I could be doing this every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And so, and because I, I, I was retired now, so I could do this. And um, so I came back home, and I, you know, now we're getting into Christmas, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm thinking about uh, this a little bit more. So I went and talked to Father Dale about it, if we could do this every Wednesday. And he said, Sure. And so after Christmas, I contacted three of my pro-life friends and uh, invited them over and told them about this cynical. I said, we, we could do this every Wednesday, started at 8 o'clock right after Mass and go until noon. That somebody would always be in the church praying to end abortion. And all three of them thought it would be a great idea. So on on January um, the 20th of 2009, we started the cynical uh, for life to end abortion, and we have been doing it ever since. Wow! Every Wednesday for every Wednesday for every twelve Wednesday. years. That's wonderful. Yeah, and you know, some of those Wednesdays, there's some. Sometimes there's funerals at St. John's, but usually funerals are never before ten o'clock. So we still gather, uh, uh, several of us, um, at eight o'clock and say those two rosaries to begin begin our cynical of life uh, prayer, our day of prayer. Yeah. Oh. Well, that that's amazing, Connie. You know, I again just being open to the Spirit is, is so amazing, and it just it just brings up this this a couple things. Number one, we see the communion of saints, right? Even though you can't be up here at the abortion mill every time, that you're praying, 
you're mm-hmm. in solidarity with those through the body of Christ. It literally yeah. through the body of Christ, you know, in, in adoration. And that, that that has to change people's hearts. You know, I mean, it really has to, it, it gives you obviously a faith that God is in control, even in this, you know, the situation of this terrible, terrible idea of abortion. But the hearts and minds will change. I'm guessing, Connie, I'm, now I'm, I'm just totally guessing here, but your prayer, I'm guessing, isn't only for those unborn babies, but it's for the mothers. It's also for yeah. the escorts. It's also for the, the yeah. abortion doctors, for everyone that God will will see yeah. them and will change their heart to, to love. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Every morning, like like this morning, I, I was over at the church, you know, and I'll, I'll go back now after this this uh, this interview. But, you know, I, I bring the, the mothers and fathers who have a schedule or considering abortion, I bring them to the foot of the altar. Mm-hmm. And the, the people who will perform or assist them in any way, that their hearts will be transformed, bring them to the foot of the altar. And then the men and women who are on the sidewalk for their safety, for their safety and to keep them warm and that they will speak words of, of, uh, of help to the men and women who are, are going in. That is wonderful. Again, they're not our enemies. They are our brothers and sisters who yeah. we just need to have um, th- their hearts changed. And, and, and yeah. the way they're going to do it is through love. And, yeah. and, and that's great. Exactly. Well, Connie, that, that is wonderful. Um, and I guess maybe we should mention, um, we're having a little, little pro-life training down there at St. John's on Saturday. Yes. Um, um, we're going to have a mass at 915 and Mm -hmm. then it's a three part, um, three part day, basically with, with a free lunch, uh, in the middle, you're providing lunch and basically it's going to be a positive, uh, pro-life training. How, how do we see the big picture of human dignity, some of the obstacles that we face, and then we're actually going to practice. How do I have this conversation, whether it's on the abortion, the sidewalk on front of the abortion mill, it's across the Thanksgiving table, it's it's with your son or daughter or, or, or with a friend who might not see just the way you do. It's going to be very, very practical. And so we want to invite people to do that as well. And what's the number they call, Connie, if they want to do that, want to get there? Okay, it's Saint it's Saint John's. Seven oh one six four two four. I know six four two six nine eight two. Six four two six nine eight two seven zero one six four two six nine eight two. Don't have to pre-register, but do call by today, or I would guess so that uh, you know. Would I would even if if they call by by noon on Friday. It's just so we we can plan, you know, the the, the food thing. Sounds good. Well, Connie, thanks again so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, Tim. You betcha. Real Presence Radio is celebrating 20 years. Up next, we're talking with one of our founders. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. 